There are over 500,000 elected officials in the United States, meaning that at least one out of every 1,000 American adults serves in an elected position. But despite the fact that there are more women than men in this country, only about 20 to 25% of all elected positions are held by women. It's not because we don't get elected as often. Is it that women are less likely to be encouraged by their parents, teachers, and community to run? Or maybe it's that we don't think we're qualified enough or prepared enough to run. But I think a big reason is that we just don't know what it's really like to run for elected office. And that is the point of this podcast. Elected, where I'll share with you week by week what it's like as a woman to run for elected office in the United States of America. All right, so we are back for what is apparently week six. I think last week we thought it was week six, and this is week six. (laughs) (laughs) We'll never get it right. We're never going to get it right. And technically, we've actually missed a few weeks. So I think this is like week eight, maybe. We've been at this for a long time. (laughs) This is campaigning in the time of Corona. (laughs) Okay, Sam. So this week, I thought we would actually talk about getting on the ballot because that is a really important thing to do. Mm -hmm. But it's also something that is not the easiest thing to do. And it's made even harder now with coronavirus. But we also, I mean, the point of this show was to help people see what it's like as a woman to run for office. And so I think it's important that we talk about what is difficult because of the coronavirus, but I think it's also important we just talk about it in general because hopefully no one will ever have to campaign (laughs) during something like this ever again. So... Let's talk about, we've actually had it pretty easy getting on the ballot. Yeah. Compared to other people, I I think so. Compared to other people. So just to recap, at least here in Massachusetts, to get on the ballot, you need to get signatures from people. So you go to the Secretary of State or the Secretary of Commonwealth in our case, you pull nomination papers, and it's basically these long sheets of paper where people sign their names. And then you go around and you ask people if they will sign their name to get you on the ballot. And they're not voting for you or committing to vote for you. They're not obligating themselves to anything. It's really just uh, signing so that you can get on the ballot. And I think the pitch that we've been giving to people is whether or not you ultimately vote for me, it's important for the voters to have choice. And I think that seems to be something that resonates with a lot of people because I I think in general voters do want choice. And so I know we had people sign our papers who said, I'm not going to vote for you, but I want to make sure that there is an option on the ballot. Yeah. And I think an important distinction is that if you want to be on the ballot for a specific party, if you want to be on the ballot for a specific party, you have to have only people from that party or um, independent voters sign your nomination papers. If it's someone from um, a different party, then it'll, it won't count for anything, which is right. an important distinction. And I should say that's the rule here in Massachusetts. We don't know the rule. Yeah, in we don't state, know anywhere so. else. <laughs> we only learned our own rules. We barely know our own. We barely know our own <laughs> rules. Uh, so we need 300 signatures, which doesn't sound like that many, but it it feels like a lot when you're out there and you're trying to talk to people and tell them 
you know, why you deserve to be on the ballot. And most of these people, I mean, you're doing this at grocery stores and outside of town meetings and coffee shops. And so it's, I think it's the very first opportunity for candidates to actually get in front of voters, but it's also really tough when they don't know you're running because you have to fit a lot into a few seconds to capture their attention, get them to stop and talk to you, and then explain to them what you're asking for. I mean, I love that we had some people who are like, no, I won't donate. I'm like, we're not asking for money. (laughs) But, you know, people are so used to having somebody bug them when they're leaving the grocery store or whatever that it's, they just sort of assumed it was for something. And so it was really interesting. Just, I mean, I think we, we over time got better at our spiel of, for sure, you know, capturing folks and getting them to talk to us. And it was great because we did get to talk to people. I mean, that was the cool part about this was we did have an opportunity to have conversations with people. And I would say overall, our conversations were very positive, even even with folks who said, you know, no, I'm a Republican, I'm going to vote for the Republican. I still think it was a good opportunity to to meet people. Yeah. And I think one of the greatest strategies we ran into was... Don't give away our strategies. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the grocery stores, because right... Yeah. It's it's hard because when you when you get your nomination forms, you kind of want to either straight away just go and find somewhere to to kind mm-hmm. of stand. But at some of the grocery stores we were we were at, find the Girl Scouts <laughs> and yes. stick by the Girl Scouts because you know there's people going to be stopping. Well, and it, what's funny, is, I'm so glad you brought that up. I forgot about that. So what's funny is on one of our last days gathering signatures before Corona happened, uh, I remember we were at that grocery store and we had a bunch of volunteers there. You and I stood at one end where the Girl Scouts were not. And then we sent the volunteers down to the end with the Girl Scouts and you and I struggled to get, we were we were having a rough mm-hmm. time. I think, I think part of it was because we, like just the people – like, I think it's so funny. It depends on what end of the story you stand on. We were getting, yeah. I think, the people who were like in a rush um, and were just kind of coming and going very quickly. But when I went down to check on our volunteers and the other Girl Scouts, they were killing it. They had like sheets upon sheets upon sheets. They were asking for more. They're asking for more. And, and it really is true. So find the Girl Scouts. Like, I mean, Girl Scouts are awesome anyway. But it definitely helps. People are stopping for cookies. They're very happy. So so anyway, so that's a little bit of what the process is like. So, you know, here they say get 300 signatures. But in reality, you really need to get double because once you get your signatures, you take them to either the town clerk or the secretary of state or wherever. Again, your state rules might be different. But in our case, we took them to the town clerk of each of the eight towns that I'm I'm running for state senator of. And every single town has to certify those signatures. So they have to make sure that they tie up to a voter, a registered voter, to Sam's point of your party uh, or an independent in that town, you know, and that they're not double counted. And there are some crazy rules. Like if there is a stray mark on the paper, the whole sheet, which has 23 signatures on it, the whole sheet is invalidated. And there's just all these very particular strict rules. So that's why it's good to get double uh, just so that you're covered. And so now let's talk a little bit about what what this actually was like for us. So we got, I think we we ended up hitting somewhere in the 500s for signatures. Is that right? We didn't quite get to 600. But right before, it was a Friday, 
right before, and this was very early March, right before everything was starting, things weren't shutting down yet, but we were starting to get wind that the coronavirus was coming here. It was probably going to be a thing. I don't think we even had a clue at that time how bad it was going to be. Like we we were so naive yeah. <laughs> three weeks ago. Um, but you and I ran around to every single town clerk and dropped off all the papers we had mm-hmm. because we just – we thought we better get them in in case the town halls close. So we turned in somewhere about like 540, 550 signatures in total. So what we've been doing the last week is calling all of those town clerks and asking if they've certified. So I'm very happy to say that we've hit over 300. So we've hit we've hit over the number we need. We're still going. I think we've got four more towns mm-hmm. to report back to us. But we are very lucky. Other campaigns are not. And we're seeing even at the U.S. Senate level – our incumbents at, at some of these levels are struggling to get signatures because they did not accelerate their signature efforts before this all went down. And they need many more. Like the senators need 10,000. I think mm-hmm. I think reps are 5,000. I'm not entirely sure about that. Um, so they need a lot more, but they're struggling to get them because in the time of coronavirus, they can't go stand in front of the grocery store. So it's been a challenge. And it's interesting to see too, because you see a lot of these very well-known politicians um, who are just kind of struggling. They're just kind of like begging people to sign their their forms. And we kind of just like strolled up to a grocery store and we're like, hey, uh, are you registered to vote? Well, because we did it in advance. So to yeah. put this into some context for people who aren't familiar with this, I think nomination papers were available like mid-February, I want to say. So we went and picked them up. And they're due back at the end of April in Massachusetts. So we said, okay, I know we have two and a half months, but we do not want to let this trail. Let's just get them. This was before coronavirus. Let's just, but let's just get them, get them in, get on the ballot, so we don't have to worry about it. We can focus on voter engagement and raising money. And so we we spent probably what two to three weeks really focused on getting signatures. And we weren't. I mean. We probably could have gotten them in one day if we had really focused yeah. on it. So we weren't being super aggressive about it, but you know, I think we we did a grocery store every weekend and we showed up at some of the town town meetings and things like that. So we did prioritize it. And that's why we were in a good position going into this whole coronavirus thing. And it's not to say that the US senators and the the reps and all those folks who are struggling now didn't prioritize it. I mean, again, they need so many more signatures. But I definitely think that they had planned on taking the full period, it sounds like. And now, unfortunately, they're not. So we're seeing some creative ways to get signatures. We're seeing people can sign up online and then they'll send you one form. So it's like one form per person, whereas we used to have 23 on each form. And then you'll send it back. I mean, it's really time consuming and it's costing campaigns money because they're sending uh, stamped envelopes to send it back. And I, I think it's it's here's what frustrates me about this process. So let's talk about the fact that in Massachusetts, neither the deadline to turn uh, signatures in nor the number of signatures has been changed as a result of the coronavirus, which I think is very frustrating. And I say that as someone who has her signatures. So those will not affect me. They will not help me at all. We're already good. But I think we do know that something like that is more likely to affect uh, newer candidates, non-incumbents. And I think just in general, having a situation like the coronavirus pandemic 
is more likely to negatively impact non-incumbents. But what I think is really interesting Mm -hmm. that we've been talking about is the fact that when it comes specifically to signature gathering, it's actually affecting more than just non-incumbents. It's truly affecting the incumbents too. And I think that's really interesting. And so I think this is where we as a campaign were good because we we dealt with it early. I think I think because we didn't take the attitude of, oh, we're the incumbent, so we know we'll get them, we made sure to do it early. Um, I don't we weren't worried we would wouldn't get 300, but we just we wanted to make sure we got them. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we pulled them the day that they came out. Yes. Because we were in we were in New Hampshire for the New Hampshire primary. And then Oh, we did it on the way back. We did it on the way back because That's they had right. come out that morning. I forgot about that. We got there right before they closed. Right before they closed. And then I think straight away we went to a DTC meeting and That's started right. gathering. We did. <laughs> yeah. I, we went straight that was up the so bat. long ago, Sam. That was, that was so long ago. Yeah. God, the end of February. What month is it now? <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about that. I was like, March something? No, it's April, my April. friend. It's April. So Okay, so I think we gave a, a fairly decent overview of what you have to do to get on the ballot. So so once you get those signatures, you know, you bring it back to your Secretary of State, Secretary of Commonwealth, and they they process it all. And then in theory, you get on the ballot. Again, that's at least how it is here in Massachusetts. So we're good there. I feel like we're good there. But as with everything, coronavirus has put a damper in a lot of our plans because the next thing that a campaign would work on would be door knocking and hosting events. <laughs> and I don't know what else, town town meetings and town elections and having a presence at those. And all of that has been canceled. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should talk a little bit about some of our efforts to keep the campaign going. I mean, we talked about this a little bit in our last episode, yeah. but I think I think we're now a couple of weeks forward and we can talk a little bit more about what this is like because even though most people listening when you decide to run again, hopefully you will not go through we'll something like this. You'll never have to do that. You'll never have to do this hopefully. I think just knowing like here's the thing I say is that as much as everyone says right now is going to favor incumbents because they have money, they have name recognition, fine, that maybe is all true. But I think where we are uniquely positioned to succeed in this is because we're new, we're scrappy, we are not stuck on the traditional way of campaigning because we've never campaigned before. And I think we're more open to I think we're more used to being in the virtual world. I mean, it helps that I'm an online business owner. It helps that you're of a generation that is more into this stuff. And I just think it's been so much easier for us to make that transition. So do you want to talk a little bit about some of the things we've been doing to uh, keep the campaign going? Sure. So I guess our, our main focus right now is just checking in with people. It's asking people if they're okay, how they're doing. I think it's really about kind of doing the the grassroots stuff even if it's even if grassroots is all about touching voters and and um socializing and getting and connecting with people i think you can do that in a lot of different ways especially with the technology we have so that's it's it's texting it's phone banking it's doing all these things that we could be doing even if coronavirus wasn't a thing um but 
just kind of changing the message and saying, are you okay? Making it less about, hey, can you chip in $10? That would be great if you could, but it's less about that. And obviously we can't have events. Just checking in with people, making sure people are okay and connecting with our community is probably the only thing that we should be doing right now. And it should be our main focus. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. And I think for us, I mean, it really was the first week or so, it really was that question of, well, what does the campaign do now? And how do we get through this? And I was actually talking to another candidate today, uh, running for a local position, uh, who was sort of saying, you know, I've kind of I've kind of pulled back, like I don't really campaigning doesn't feel right right now. And I said, look, this is, in my opinion, the best opportunity for voters to see how you will be a leader through the worst possible situation. And so to me, this is like the best job interview opportunity you can get to show people how you will handle a crisis. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I would never wish for a crisis, but if it happens, here's the opportunity to show how you will lead through that. And so for our campaign, the big focus has really been showing up not just once, but showing up pretty much every day, uh, providing people with the resources they need, providing them with the information they need, handling people's concerns and fears and confusion, and helping people understand the information that's coming out, helping them understand the different options available, and just showing up. I think that's so important. I mean, you know, I don't want to criticize anyone elected official in particular. So what I'm about to say is kind of a broad statement, not just specific to our area, but kind of overall, is I'm seeing across the board that elected officials, you're you're sort of seeing like the two groups, right? Like I feel like you've got the like Governor Cuomo's who pivoted and adapted and boy, is he showing up. You know, like love him or hate him, he is showing up right now for his people. Mm-hmm. And he he's on video, he's got the presentations, you know, he is providing information and he is just being a valuable resource every single day, but he's also being a calming presence for people. And I think that's huge. And then you've got other places, again, I'm not going to name names, where maybe you get an email from them once a week now. Like maybe that's their idea of showing up or they'll do a couple of social media posts with regurgitated information and you're like, okay, that's it. So it's, I, you know, I think it's truly about being a presence right now. And I think for a lot of folks, it's hard for them to be a presence in the online space because they're just not used to having to show up online or virtually. And that's where, frankly, we're better skilled for that. Yeah. And I think for us too, what we're doing is, I feel like a lot of it is, it has to be calculated, but for us, it's just off of instinct. Yeah. It's just like about talking to people because in the communities, you know, we, we live in, we're experiencing all this stuff too. So yeah, just talking to, just talking to people, talking to neighbors is, is probably the best you can do. Um, especially mm-hmm. if you're not in a position of power. Well, yeah, that's so true. Right. I mean, everyone who reaches out to us, we don't, I mean, I can't go past legislation right now. Um, like our elected officials can do. So I don't have the ability to call this department or that department and demand action or answers. So the best thing we can do is be a resource for people, be a connector to resources, and also just be a a source of compassion, you know, to say we get what you're going through. And I think that that's something that a lot of our elected officials have lost is they're very out of touch. 
you know, and even especially through this, I mean, I'm not, not to suggest that none of our elected officials are suffering through this, but their jobs for the most part are stable. I mean, they're getting their paychecks. They're not worried about being fired or laid off tomorrow. Um, you know, and so I think it, I think it's easier perhaps for some of them to forget exactly what people are struggling with right now versus we are, uh, you know, connecting with and, and hearing from folks who are losing their jobs, who are still working and are scared to go to work, who are trying to balance, you know, if they're a front frontline responder, a nurse or a doctor or hospital staff, or even a grocery store worker or whatnot, going out there and doing the tough work, but then where do they put their kid because daycare is closed? You know, and and mom or dad can't come over because mom or dad is older and it's a risk to them. So they're dealing with all of these things. And we're we're not only seeing this firsthand, but we are experiencing it. I mean, I'm home with my husband, with my son. You know, thankfully we're all healthy. But, you know, I've got my parents who are older and we're dealing with that. And it it's we're living it firsthand. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're right. I think for us it is we're just doing this all on instinct because this is what it means to be a good neighbor and be a good community member. And I think that when you look at a lot of elected officials, somehow they became disconnected from that at some point along the way. Yeah, and I think a good a good piece of advice to and on a campaign is regardless of kind of what's going on, like this is an unprecedented situation that fingers crossed will never happen again. But I think it has taught us, especially if you're not in a position of power, use the leverage that you have Yes, um, and find a way to connect. Yeah, I love that. That's so true. And you know what? I think that's even when you're not in a crisis. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think <clears throat> I was on a call last night that you were on. And and when it was my turn to speak, I mean, my son was sitting on my lap. And of course, the minute I the minute I had to talk, I turned his, he was watching a show. I turned the volume down on his show. So the minute I, I'm unmuted and it's my turn to speak, he's yelling louder, louder because he wants his show to be louder. And I'm like, oh, you're killing me, kid. You know, but like that's human. That's real life. And I think that kind of stuff, I mean, you you still need to be professional and you you it's a balance. But that kind of stuff shows that you're a real person. And I personally appreciate that from my elected officials. Yes, I want them to, to be calm and in control. So if they're running around overwhelmed and screaming at their kids, like that's not the right uh, image that I want. But I like seeing that my elected officials are parents and are children of, um, you know, seniors who are struggling with this and are... Um, small business owners, you know, who are trying to figure this out. I mean, I want my elected officials to represent me. And so I like seeing that human side of it. Yeah, I think it it's funny because even like kind of going back to the whole signature gathering thing and what we've kind of been dealing with on social media and things like that, it's giving the candidate like and showing everyone personality um, as a way to connect. And it just kind of reminded me of like, oh, the candidate you want to have a beer with, which I hate that expression. I hate, I well, hate it. Can I just say, so yeah. uh, I have been binge watching West Wing. Me because... too. Me too. <laughs> Wait, how far are you? I'm okay. Well, last time, last time I mentioned it on the last time I mentioned this on the podcast, I think I was in season four. I've now moved to halfway through season five. Oh, I'm way ahead of you. I'm at season seven. 
But you've seen it, right? We talked about this. Have you I seen it? I haven't seen it. Oh, shoot. So, oh, I forgot about this. So we can't do any spoilers. Okay. This is going to be complicated then to explain this scenario, but let's it, just say. Is it past where I'm at? Oh, yeah. But I can okay. I can explain it in a way that doesn't give anything away. Okay. So there's a political race going on in, in the show. And the person who's running, it, they say, oh, how did they phrase it? They were like, women want to sleep with him. Guys want to grab a beer with him. So that, this is what made me think of it because you brought up this beer mm-hmm. thing. So it's like, and this goes back to my point about how it's a fine balance between being real and professional because I think there is that, it's like that sense of you want to show people who you really are and you want to convey that you are the kind of person that, I mean, let's be honest, I am the kind of person that you can come over and grab a beer with me and it's, we're all going to be pretty chill. But you also need to show that you're a leader and show up professionally and I think that that can be tougher. But here's the thing. Like I remember, when, so we do daily Facebook Lives about COVID-19. So I do an update every single weeknight. And a few days ago, I texted some of my, uh, I always forget, is it kitchen counter or kitchen table? You always correct me kitchen on that. Kitchen cabinet? Kitchen cabinet. <laughs> what did I call it? Kitchen counter? Whatever. I don't know. So if we haven't talked about this before, your kitchen, what is it? Kitchen cabinet? Yeah. Kitchen cabinet. Your kitchen cabinet is your kind of tight-knit group of folks who are um, advisors, safety net, like basically they're the people who are going to get you through this thing. So I texted the group, my kitchen cabinet. (laughs) I texted my kitchen cabinet and I said, should I be wearing a suit to do my Facebook lives because, you know, whenever you do a political event, you usually dress very professionally and very formally. And I had seen someone, an elected official, not my opponent, but I'd seen an elected official doing a Facebook live and they showed up in a suit or at least the top half. I don't, I can't speak to the bottom half. Could have been pajamas, (laughs) but it got me thinking. And I was like, am I not showing up enough as a leader by just wearing a sweater or I'm not showing up in like a t-shirt and pajamas, but I'm showing up in just regular clothes because that's what I'm wearing right now is I'm managing all of this. And they were like, no, you're good. Like it shows the real side of things, but it, it is, it, it truly is interesting. Like, and I think it, as women, it's even harder, right? Because we really do have to think through what we wear, what we show up in and what message are we portraying? And I will tell you, even though I've gotten comfortable with the fact that it's okay for me to wear just a sweater or, or whatnot for these nightly updates, in the back of my head, I'm thinking this is portraying me as a young uh, you know, inexperienced person versus if I were to show up in a suit or a jacket or, you know, a, a tailored shirt or something like that. And so it 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 is sort of, that is a fine line. Like you want to be the candidate they want to grab a beer with, but you also want to be seen, you want to be taken seriously. Yeah. And I think as women, that's especially harder for us, um, and I think there is less room for error. And, for, and it's completely unfair. Let's be clear. It's completely unfair. Oh, 100%. But I think there is – I think that's a harder harder thing. I, I will say, though, after last night uh, with Jack being on my lap, I've had several women reach out to me and say it was nice and refreshing to see <laughs> that you're going through the same things we're going through. But it's interesting that it was women that reached out. 
Now, I didn't poll the men, so I don't know what the men thought about mm-hmm. it. But, you know, it does um, – anyway, it, it, I think it's something to think about. It, unfortunately, it's something we have to think about. Yeah, it sucks. Not great. <laughs> it sucks. But it, it just – the worst part about it, too, is that you kind of – you hear it. It's not even just in politics. It's kind of everywhere. True. Society. Society. <laughs> well, that is why we are running – I love how I always say we. I'm like, I'm running. (laughs) That is why I'm running. That is why uh, I will continue to buck the trend and show up as me because I think it's important for people to see that I am a real person. And I I think truly if we change what it means to show up as a leader, we change what it means to be a leader. It's not about what you wear. It's about, and it's not even so much about what you say. It's about how you show up. Yeah. Um, then I think that hopefully we're changing the conversation. So I don't know. That's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've had, it's been a long day of a lot of Zoom campaign calls. So many Zoom calls. So many Zoom calls. So I think we'll wrap it up. What, you already gave one piece of advice, which was good. But I guess what was our theme today? We were talking about getting on the ballot. We were talking about, we we, we went off on a, I I went on a tangent. But I guess I would say my one piece of advice is you never know what's going to happen in your campaign. So do everything you can to prepare up front. Um, don't look at a deadline and say, I'm going to take till that point. Get it done early. I mean, we didn't we didn't think about that, but we were lucky that we did do it early and we were prepared. And that's really saved us in this. We're not scrambling right now like so many campaigns are. So I guess that would be my piece of advice is you never know what's going to happen. So just get it done early. Be prepared as much as you can and pivot. And and I think being a good leader is recognizing what people need in that moment and that it does change on a day-to-day basis. So what do you got? That's so hard to follow up. I guess like going off of that, like we said before, we got our nomination papers the day they came out and just started kind of going at it. I think with a campaign and especially if you're not an incumbent and it's your first time running. I think doing things early isn't necessarily a bad thing, especially when you either don't have a ton of time or you have other things you have to do. You kind of want to, you want to manage your time that way, especially as a candidate where you don't have a lot of time. No, you don't. You don't. But I love it. All right. I think we'll end it there. And it just occurred to me, I know what we're going to talk about on our next episode. We we are going to talk about our troll. Uh, okay. <laughs> we have our very first campaign troll although he's gone away since but i think i think this is important to talk about because i think a lot of people i talk to who want to run for office say that they're afraid to because they're afraid of people being nasty so stay tuned next week we're going to talk about our troll uh but until then i would say just keep running hey thanks so much for listening to elected the podcast There's work to be done, and we need you to be a part of getting more women to stand up, run, and serve in elected office. To learn more, visit electedpodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to hear new episodes as they are released. Until next time, keep running.